genes. I discovered the key and required component of the clock, the only required component, BMAL1. Uh, Joe Takahashi and colleagues discovered NPOS, uh, a, a clock in N NPOS2. And um, there's a repressing, repressive wing of the clock that involves the period and cryptochrome genes, et cetera. Like, unless you're an aficionado, not, all these things are just going to be words and they're not going to really mean anything. Um, but there's a molecular machine that lives in your body and every single cell of your body, as far as we know, that dictates these rhythms. And the, the ones that are in your brain are in your hypothalamus, your suprachiasmatic nucleus of the hypothalamus two bilateral nuclei that are about 10,000 neurons each in your hypothalamus. And they tell you when to wake up and then when to go to sleep. And then there are, there are uh, attendant processes like eating, feeding, that rely on, on your wakefulness status. So if you even think about the word breakfast, it means break your fast. You are fasting overnight. And breakfast is breaking your fast. And so you wake up, you're hungry, and you eat something. And so the your brain tells your body about these things. And then, as I said, it, it turns out you have clocks in every cell in your body, including your liver, your gut, your skeletal muscle, uh, pretty much every cell in your body. And the discovery of those clocks in sort of peripheral tissues, is that a fairly recent discovery? Because I knew for I know for a long time the SCN was kind of known as the master regulator. Right. But then that kind of, I mean, I, I guess that's probably maybe still what it's considered the master regulator. But then is the discovery of that, you know, there are clocks in, say, the heart and skeletal muscle and our kidneys and liver, et cetera. Is that fairly new um, a finding? In the late 90s, uh, Uli Schibler's group, Balsa Lobre et al., discovered there were clocks in fibroblasts, and they're actually pretty strong clocks in skin fibroblasts, and we've done some work with uh, Procter & Gamble in Liberty, Ohio, uh, along those lines, but there's, like I said, there's clocks in every single cell in your body, and um, we've looked now in, you know, 14 different human organs, and um, more than that in, in mice, and it turns out there's clocks pretty much everywhere that are regulating about half the genes in your body. So they're turning on and off half the genes in your body in some tissue. Yeah, which is pretty incredible to think about. So, I mean, we have what around something around like 20,000, is it like genes? Meaning That's something, right. something around like 10,000 are controlled by the circadian clocks in some way, which is just incredible and just points to the importance of timing of, you know, everything in human health and disease and performance and sort of, it, it seems like there's probably no process that doesn't at least have some, some aspect of like circadian control in the body. Right. If you consider the average pathway has 10 to 20 components, then the probability that a pathway does not have at least one that's regulated by the clock is, is like close to zero. Yeah, certainly. And in terms of what the primary thing that regulates the circadian clock would that be would that be light is that kind of the primary thing that would i guess you would say entrain the circadian clock well i would say that would be true for under most normal conditions um but like i said there there's a percentage of the population the workforce the western workforce that that's on the shift where they don't actually pay too much attention or as much attention to light and so light is a principal resetting cue, but also things like feeding 
like exercise, etc., also send signals to your body and let you know that certain systems are active and certain systems are inactive. Right. Those are the the zeitgebers. Zeitgebers. I can never time, time know if I'm pronouncing that. Time yeah. indicators. However you want to say it. Like yeah, I'm not. I'm not German. I'm Dutch. <laughs> so, um, I had, yeah, I had, that brings me up a question I had regarding shift workers. So when I was writing a little bit of um, a review that we published a few years ago, and then as part of some of my kind of dissertation that I'm writing up, I was I was looking at you know shift work and all of those negative effects on you know, just health that shift work has, um, you know, they're at increased risk for, you know, metabolic disease, cardiovascular disease, do they, cancer, so, cancer. Ca- cancer anything yeah, it's, it's, kind it's of, considered yeah. a, a risk factor for cancer by the world health organization. Yeah. Which is, which is incredible. And, you know, obviously shift work is inevitable for some people. We need those workers and they're, and they're yeah. performing, uh, they're performing a service, but, um, it's incredible to see kind of the health risk, risk that that is, but, is there any data that they say somebody is doing this for like 20, 30 years? Do they adapt? So would they're like, you know, is there, do they still have the same normal circadian rhythm as somebody who is on the regular shift? And that's kind of why they're exper- at this risk for disease because their body hasn't adapted to it. Or, you know, do we see after a while, their sort of circadian rhythms adapting to, to shift work? It, it, it's, it gets to consistency. So if you're consistently a shift worker, it's probably just the same as normal. Mm. Your, your body doesn't really know that you're in, but it's dis- circadian desynchrony going back and forth between day shift and night shift work that really gets your, your body all be flummoxed. So said another way, if, if you think about like a, a nurse's study where they're consistently on the, on the night shift, it's not a big deal. You, you can adapt to that. But if you're going back and forth, four on, three off, four on, three off, um, as a fireman, nurse, policeman, da 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 da, da that's where the that's where the the real risk becomes. Yeah, that's interesting because you would think that oh, you know, if you're a shift worker, but you occasionally work these normal shifts, that might allow you to like kind of offset some of the effects. But it seems to be the opposite that just working a consistent shift work, even though it's you know not on the regular schedule, might actually be be better for that. Right. And, and there are also people with, with uh, various, various uh, delayed sleep-wake phase disorder or advanced sleep-wake phase disorder where, where they're just genetically programmed to wake up earlier or later every day and stay up later or, or earlier every day. And, and they're perfectly fine as well. So it, it's, not like a, it's not a disease per se. It really is the, the desynchrony, which occurs uh, typically with shift work with 20% of the Western workforce, but also you probably all experienced this if you've, you know, flown internationally or even in the U.S. Uh, nationally, if you've flown to the West Coast or Hawaii, you've probably experienced some of the downsides of of travel. Yeah, and so people with advanced or delayed sleep-wake phase or delayed sleep phase or advanced sleep phase disorder, that, you know, would tend to um, hint at like there a little bit of a genetic component. Is there kind of a, um, is there evidence that the whole night owl morning lark kind of thing, you know, that people do have different chronotypes in terms of their circadian rhythms? Um, is that pretty like well-established? I wouldn't say it's a hundred percent genetic. Um, there are certainly behavioral things like, and even stage of life when you're younger, uh, 
particularly as a teenager, it's harder for you to wake up early. And so a lot of school districts are now changing their, their school start times to, to sort of, in fact, my, uh, my eldest son, who's a senior at Wyoming High School here in Cincinnati, um, he, he, uh, he actually got, uh, over the course of his high school years, they changed the start time for them later so so that things are easier for the for the adolescents that are undergoing this you know sort of developmental developmental time switch now i'm 55 it's hard for me to sleep much past 7:15 or so um and frequently i wake up uh earlier than that and just try to coax my coax my body back to sleep um but it, it does it changes to your through your life uh i have two twins they're both 14 now one of them was four years old and I could walk into the bedroom, pick him up by his feet and hold him upside down and he would not wake up. So we don't sleep the same when we're a kid as we do as when we're, we're an adult. No, certainly. But lifestyle definitely has something to play there. I mean, you know, you'll hear some people say, oh, no, I'm just not a morning person or I'm more of a night person. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure that there is some way that you can change that a little bit through lifestyle. You know, if you're always exercising at night or, you know, staying up late, then of course you're a night person. But I'm sure that can be changed somewhat. I mean, I'm only 29, but I can barely make it past 9 p.m. at night. And I'm typically up before around six, <laughs> naturally. So, right. Um, Super annoying. A little bit. You know, I like starting my day early, but sometimes when you're hanging out with friends, you know, you wish you could hang a little bit later in the night for sure. Right. Right. <laughs> um, all right. So, I keep kind of throwing out random questions and we'll get to some consistent topics soon, but I did have one more thing that just popped in my head when you mentioned the the later school start times, just in terms of like public policy and circadian rhythms kind of is a very interesting area. The delayed school start times are one, um, but something else that um, is kind of relevant in recent is the passing of the um, Sunshine Protection Act thing, which basically abolished kind of daylight saving time. Uh, do you have an opinion on that? Like, what do you think? Are you kind of in favor of, of that decision? Uh, the society has reached a, a position piece on that. And more or less, uh, there's daylight savings time, which the society is against. And so we would prefer the adoption of standard time um, uh, in in North America. Uh, and, but it's it's not clear that that's going to, be the prevailing view. So th this is a, 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 a case where public policy and the science may not may not meet 50-50. I think the changing back and forth is worse than going back and forth. Um, and you can look at uh, car accidents, school performance, many different many different performance metrics during that the, the two time shifts of the year. So either one would be an improvement over what we have now, but our our, our society's view is that the standard time and not not the daylight savings time is the time frame that we should adopt. And because so this yeah the daylight savings is what they currently adopted, and so standard time would essentially allow more light time in the morning, which in terms of you know health maybe and public safety things like that may be more beneficial. Right. So your 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 circadian system, your sleep wake cycle is most affected by light in the morning and in the evening. And so that's the strongest cue that your body has. Um, and so that's the one that we're looking to preserve. Yeah. And it, I was surprised because I did read the position stand that you were talking about, and it didn't seem like there was any sort of uh, 
it didn't seem like whoever was making these decisions, you know, at the government level was really talking to anybody in like, you know, the Society for Biological Rhythms or anybody kind of in this area to like get their input about it, which was kind of astonishing to me that they didn't really consult kind of the science or whatever and get an opinion on that. Yeah, it was sort of the other way around. And a lot of a lot of scientists had to rally at, at the end mm. and write their representatives and try to offer advice. But that gets to like a, an issue. Like if we sit in our ivory towers and don't engage with the rest of society, like my son's high school or superintendent, et cetera, then things are, are going to stay in the lab and they won't, they won't actually have an impact. And so one of the things I've been a big proponent of is getting out of the lab, talking to your colleagues, talking to your friends and making sure that everybody understands, you know, you spend a third of your life sleeping and the timing of sleep is also important and we, we shouldn't we shouldn't uh, be ashamed of talking about what we actually know about. No, definitely, definitely. I think you know, with as much as we know and the data that we have available and like the smart people, I think we can you know make informed decisions rather than kind of just guess about what might be like the best or be reactive. Like the the school bus times are often set based on on you know trying to keep the bus drivers busy over a mm -hmm. consistent period of time, and. More, more or less have not, you know, the, the high school students went early, like last year, Eli was going at 630 in the morning and, and, and some mornings. And that's, you know, you're 17 years old, 630 in the mornings is, is difficult. You're not performing at your best. Um, whereas if I, you know, my, my now 14 year olds were, were four, 630 in the morning, I, I, I used to tell them um, 700, don't be a hero. <laughs> um don't get up before seven and and so they would wake up and play with each other uh but they were not allowed to come and disturb me right and in high school you often have kids i mean maybe you know sophomore junior year that's when they start driving so you have you know 16, 16 17 18 year old oh, kids yeah. driving at 6 30 in the morning i mean it's kind of like a disaster waiting to happen there's car there's there's an increase in car accidents whenever there's a time time shift it, it's there's no question that that's it's not good and we shouldn't keep shifting back and forth and and we would like it to be standard time but if it even if they pick daylight standard time that would also be fine because mm -hmm. there'd be less shifting yeah exactly exactly the car accidents the kind of workplace accidents the increase in heart attacks i mean like the data are kind of like astounding when every it seems like every year when during the switch there at some papers published showing some type of data on you know just like the a number of incredibly bad things that are happening due to the due to the shift so right and even good things that are happening like in the seattle school district or minneapolis which adopted later school start times for older older kids and they've seen in, in you know improved in performance academic performance etc because of that it's and it's really a simple and straightforward thing to do all it requires is changing the the school schedules and some bus schedules and you're pretty much there yeah i mean it's very seemingly an easy uh an easy switch to make but i guess it just involves kind of changing a lot of well-established uh you know things that are pretty well established in terms of scheduling and change is hard but you know if it's, you know, at the risk of, or at the benefit of, you know, people's like lives and safety, I think it's definitely worth it. So. Right. Right. We, we used to do a lot of dumb things in the past that we don't do anymore. And 
and, and we don't even have to say dumb. Just, just say like, can we just improve this a little bit? 5% a year, you know, after five years, you've pre pretty much made a pretty big change. Yeah. And yeah, I wouldn't say dumb either. I would almost say just kind of decisions made out of naivete, maybe, you know, we didn't really know. And now that we have data on we're uninformed, uninformed. Yep. And now that we're informed, it's, you know, we owe it to the public to kind of make better decisions. So I think we're moving especially in the right the direction, children, right? Especially with the kids, because it, it's mm -hmm. really hard on them about, you know, once or twice a year, I get some note from some parent who has a child that's struggling with, uh, with school. And I try to find them a local sleep uh, boarded physician to see their child in the Connecticut area or the Cal California or wherever. Um, but it, it boils down to their child has a circadian rhythm sleep disorder, and it's really hard for them to wake up and go to, go, go to school. And it's a real thing. And yeah. it, it, it hurts their performance. And so we, we should be able to, to not stigmatize this. Yeah. And often,